Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. I'm using that to start tomorrow's podcast. I'm using that no matter what. I'm using you saying it to start the podcast. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I'm taking all of that and just clipping the 30 seconds and using it for the open to tomorrow's podcast. <laughs> well, it's draft week, so it's a lot of yes. good mornings, afternoons, and good nights. Yes, draft week. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. And we we kind of kicked it off last week. We played a game with our draft guy where he just listed random. I named random prospects, and he could give me the analysis. So, like from that point now, it's like the official start of draft week. So we're right four what four days away? Four days away at this point? Yeah, three days by the time people are listening to this. <laughs> Yes, and um, we have quite a quite a new mock for everyone today, including six trades, um, and we reversed the order. I went first as the odd numbers, and Kyle did the evens, and uh, I don't know. I think we might have been a little more accurate on this one. I, oof. I was definitely out there, I have to say. I mean... I I still even with everything going on and there's the the most recent like at the time of recording this is that the 49ers have settled on who they're going to pick at number 3 but they we just don't know yet because it's only Shanahan and Lynch that know and they're kind of keeping it a secret but they know from talking to people in the organization that they uh they aren't really doing any scouting anymore. They aren't really doing any evaluations. Like all their evaluations have been done at this point. They're just kind of waiting it out. Yeah, and they can't, you know, they can't take anything for granted. I mean, uh Trevor Lawrence could be caught doing a bong hit on YouTube. And uh, but surprisingly, doing that would actually save the Dolphins from 25 years of mediocrity, ironically. It's my favorite uh, thing ever. Is that <laughs> Larry Tunsil hitting a bong on Instagram Live helped save 25 years of mediocre Dolphins football. <laughs> it, it, like Bill Parcells, Jimmy Johnson, Dave Wanstad, Nick Saban couldn't figure it out, but it was only the reversal of fortune coming when Larry Tunsil did a bong rip on television or on an Instagram Live on draft day. That was the quintessential moment that reversed the fate of Dolphins football. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't football amazing like that? <laughs> you know, it's a stoner's delight when you hear stuff <laughs> like that. You know? But they ended up oh. netting four first-round picks and the number 34 pick in this year's draft, which is basically another first-round pick for Laramie Tunsil. Yeah. And uh, as all the other teams have been saying to the Dolphins, hey, don't bogart that bong. <laughs> 
The other, uh, the other thing I find funny that's going on through the process, because last time we did this, we had Justin Fields at number two. And to be honest, a lot has kind of changed since then that kind of puts it in perspective that, you know, Zach Wilson is going to be the number two pick. But I love that we're like the Jets have settled on Zach Wilson over Justin Fields. And we're all just like, yeah, that makes sense. As if we trust the Jets to make the right decision at quarterback. Yeah, and you can rub it in on me. I was wrong. I I had a sneaking suspicion that, you know, they would take the Ohio State kid who uh, who outplayed Trevor Lawrence in the in the in the playoffs this year. So, um, but <clears throat> we'll see what happens in this mock. Want to get started? I would love to get started. See if we can get mock draft 5.0 in under 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right. We're on the clock, literally. I think we can rip this out. We've got our picks already decided. I don't have my computer next to me, so I don't have the ironically funny sound effects this time. <laughs> That's okay. We That actually might speed things up. So <laughs> It got to a point where I just wanted to keep putting random sounds into it just for the comedic effect of hearing the draft sound at random points. <laughs> exactly. So here we go. With the first pick of the 2021 NFL Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Trevor Lawrence, quarterback Clemson. He's been the pick for three years. Done deal. Hope they don't spend the whole 10 minutes, 15 minutes making us wait for the selection. That's all I've got to say. I'll take the waiting game. It allows me to make content on draft night and, uh, you know, give me some extra time to make memes or something. But... Uh, with the second pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the New York Football Jets select Zach Wilson, quarterback from BYU, um, you know, mobile, big arm quarterback. Uh, I think that he's going to be pretty good. I, I would still take Justin Fields over him, but I do think that Zach Wilson looks like he's going to be pretty good, and it'll be interesting to see how the Jets build the rest of that roster with their new coach, new GM, new everything. Well, not new GM, new coach, new offensive coordinator, new everything. That's right. No, with the third pick, the 49ers select Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State. Uh, they loved his pro day, and he's got the it factor, the size, the athleticism. They're not planning on playing a rookie, starting a rookie this year anyway. And Shanahan gets a chance to groom this kid for, you know, several weeks if he's going to play this year or for, you know, to a Mahomes year, um, which would be ideal because look how it helped Mahomes. And then, you know, he could hit the ground running next year. So I think that Lance is the pick there. And something people don't realize about that is, had Alex Smith not started 8-0 that year, Patrick Mahomes probably would have taken over at some point during that first season. But with the fourth pick in the NFL draft, the Atlanta Falcons select Justin Fields, the quarterback from Ohio State. I know you are a big, big Kyle Pitts to the Falcons guy, but you, you cannot – let Justin Fields slide further than fourth if you're the Atlanta Falcons. If this is the second best quarterback in this class, which I firmly believe he is, the Falcons, and he's from Georgia, the Falcons 
cannot let him fall, no matter how tempting the idea of Kyle Pitts and Matt Ryan at 38 years old in three years is. You have to, have to, have to take Justin Fields with the fourth pick. Great, great way to um, explain it. With the fifth pick, the Cincinnati Bengals resist other temptations and settle their tackle situation by taking Penesul tackle Oregon. Uh, you know, kid is awesome. And um, I know it's tempting to take the, you know, Pitts or, you know, and reunite Burrow with Jamar Chase. But first things first, uh, Burrow, you know, you got, they got to keep him upright. And, you know, if they could see a left tackle in the second round that would appeal to them, maybe they could, you know, think about Pitts or or Chase. But instead, you know, I mean, there there is – I mean, no one's going to compare to Penny Sewell. Yeah. Um, this college, guy, uh, college offensive lineman of the year at 19 years old. Awesome, and he's got everything you want, and in a tackle, and he's going to be probably a perennial All Pro. He'll be the next Trent Williams. With the sixth pick, the Miami Dolphins, the greatest football team. Do you remember that old Miami Dolphins theme song? Yes, I couldn't stand it then, and I can't stand it now. <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, they resist. <laughs> Resisting temptations to take the alien, they select Jamar Chase, wide receiver from LSU. And to be honest, if I had to go back, maybe I would have taken Kyle Pitts. Again, I haven't seen very much of Jamar Chase apart from last year's college football season, which, you know, him and Jefferson, it, it's hard to tell the difference between the talent and the offense. I leave that to more of the, you know, professional scouts, but uh, I think Jamar Chase is awesome and, uh, They'll still roll with Agaseki. So you, you have Parker, you have Chase, you have Will Fuller. It kind of depends how you want to run that offense next year. Do you want to run two tight end sets with Tua, or do you want to run spread three wide, have Gaseki as like a blocking tight end, but can kind of used in the Kelsey role? Uh, just kind of depends how you want to go if Pitts and Chase are available. Great pick. And with the seventh pick, we have – First trade <laughs> of of the draft, the Arizona Cardinals jump up from 16 to trade with Detroit, uh, giving up their 16th pick and then first and third round picks in the 2022 draft in order to select tight end Kyle Pitts from Florida. This is actually <laughs> a, a trade that uh, Peter Schrager of NFL Network has been orchestrating. Um, it's in his mock. And uh, we've debated on the Cardinals board. And we like it. Well, it's a lot to give up, but uh, Pitts is a transcendent talent. It's the same thing, I believe, with the next pick, which is the, the Panthers going way down to 22 and the Titans going up to eight to pick Patrick Sertan. Again, they would have to give up their first-round pick next year. Uh, but getting Sertan, the corner from Alabama, for them is a big deal. And the same thing I thought of with the Cardinals is just they don't need seven draft picks or seven rookies coming in. They can dump some of these extra draft picks and get a blue chipper type prospect. I think the Cardinals can afford that, and I think the Titans can afford that. And they obviously have a glaring need at corner. So 
instead of hoping and waiting that J.C. Horn or maybe Caleb Farley fall in the draft, go up, be bold, and take Patrick Sertan. Yeah, and at nine uh, on the webcam in the in the Broncos uh, war room, Vic Fangio can be seen foaming and flailing on the on the rug because Micah Parsons uh, is the pick at number nine, and wow. What a defensive player, what he will do for that defense and the versatility that he has. Uh, wow, that could be some kind of defense, put plug-in Parsons in there. Ooh, I love that image now of Vic Fangio flailing on the ground, getting excited <laughs> over a draft pick. It's a, uh, it's a beautiful image to conjure up in my mind there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so again, if you the, with the little bell, this might be a little strange. So Detroit takes their picks. Yeah, there we go. Detroit takes their picks from sixteen, move, uses some of them, including the third rounder from the Cardinals, the third rounder from the Rams in the the Matthew Stafford trade, and they move on back up to number ten with the Cowboys and select wide receiver Devonta Smith from Alabama. Uh, he's just getting a lot of nods this week because of how small he is. I think he weighed in less than what I weigh, um, which is ridiculous to think about coming into the draft. So uh, DeMonta Smith, I think he's awesome. I think he's better than Chase only because I haven't seen a lot of Jamar Chase. Again, my opinion is just gas bagging and saying I can be right when DeMonta Smith turns into an all pro wide receiver. Oh, I love that pick. And I, I think the trade makes a lot of sense. With the 11th pick, the New York Giants tell Daniel Jones, just catch the ball in a shotgun and then throw it as high and deep as you can because Jalen Waddle's going to camp right under it. Uh, there is your pick. The speedster from Alabama um, adds a dimension to that offense that will make it even more dynamic. Um, and now they get Saquon Barkley back, running back. It's going to be awesome with play action to Jalen. Um, wow. Great pick. Yeah, I love that idea. Even though they added John Ross, but I want John Ross to somehow end up on the Chiefs by season's end. Um, with the 12th pick, the Philadelphia Eagles, now without a top wide receiver at their disposal, select linebacker. Aziz Ojalare from Georgia. And this one's a little bit of a surprise. I kind of went out on a limb on this one because uh, the Eagles just need talent at this point. And I don't know if Ojalari's a BPA pick. That probably would have been Rashawn Slater right. at number 12. But the Eagles don't really need to be guided by position at this point. They can kind of just pick and choose wherever they need something and it'll work out well. Some people see that at wide receiver. I think that this is a long rebuild, so just get some talent in there, guys that you firmly think are going to be awesome. And from everything I've heard from our guy Blake Jude, Ojalare is going to be a really good linebacker in the NFL. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. Makes him more athletic off the edge. And, you know, Brandon Graham's getting a little older now. And, well, also, yeah. Brandon Graham's a free agent at the end of the season. And that's exactly why you draft Aziz Ojalare at 12. At 13, uh, the L.A. Chargers, Brandon Staley, the new head coach, gets his corner, J.C. Horn from South Carolina. Um, we know that Staley loves physical 
cornerbacks. The Rams made a huge trade, you know, um, uh, when, when they, you know, um, well, actually Staley wasn't on board then. So let me, let me recant that. But, but anyway, JC Horn, um, fits the Brandon Staley mode of cornerbacks, aggressive ball hawk, and is a nice fit there. And they've been hoping that he would fall there. And with pick number 14, this leaves the Minnesota Vikings in a position to select Quiddy Pay, the defensive end from Michigan. And this one's probably the simplest one I could think of, although Rashawn Slater is also a pick that's been mocked here. This one feels as simple as Vikings had a top five offense with the 25th ranked defense last year. So let's commit to fixing the defense and let's take a BPA defensive player at pick 14. He's definitely um, the Vikings kind of player off the edge. That, that was really a good pick, I thought. Very good pick. Um, so at 15, the Patriots select quarterback Mac Jones, Alabama. Um, Jones getting endorsed by his head coach, Nick Saban. And we know that Belichick and Saban are um, buddies and talk frequently so this is a this is and people have compared mac jones to tom brady you know tom brady was a little pudgy coming out of um, yeah i was about to say they compared him to young tom brady the unathletic fat slob coming out of <laughs> coming well, out by of brady standards we should all look like he did back then and we'd be all right with it but <laughs> um but yeah i think it's just too good a fit and the Interesting thing is the Patriots are patient and Jones comes to them at 15 and they, they gauged it well. I think we had that last time too. And I think I picked it looking back. I'm like, Belichick wouldn't do that, would he? But maybe he would. I don't know. This is Well, let me jump in here and say why he will. It's, it's a kind of an unheralded aspect of, of quarterback play that, that actually – is the key to success is timing. Um, you know, you don't have to have a rocket arm. Brady's proven, proven that. But what Brady is brilliant at is delivering the ball on time, off breaks, uh, going opposite leverage. And, you know, if you look at what Mac Jones did last season for Alabama, I mean, distributing the ball and getting it out on time, he was outstanding at that. And, so he's already a kind of, you know, has that sort of inner clock and that training to know, you know, when you, when to get rid of it. And he, he you know, he doesn't have a, a, a total rifle of an arm, but he's got a good, good spin um, and great touch. So uh, in, from that stand, sense, from the timing standpoint, um, Patriot fans are going to like Mac Jones. So let's see. Oh, pick 16. Uh, so now this is Dallas by virtue of going down with Detroit. And now I get to say this very fun line. Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys with the 16th pick, the Dallas Cowboys from the Detroit Lions via the Arizona Cardinals, which is how you're supposed to say that when you have multiple trades. So Dallas from Detroit via the Arizona Cardinals selects Caleb Farley, the corner from Virginia Tech, more of a project, I suppose, for the Cowboys. I do really want Jerry Jones to trade up and get Kyle Pitts for the anarchy of it, but doesn't look like that's going to happen. 
Uh, so if the Cowboys are going to improve the defense, might as well improve the 31st ranked passing offense of last season by drafting a corner to replace the departed Chidobe Owuzier. Good call there. Reminds me of Byron Jones, actually. Uh, you know, has that kind of athleticism that you love uh, and length. Uh, 17, the Los, Los, Las Vegas Raiders. Select Rashawn Slater tackle. They're rebuilding their line and they're delirious that Slater has slid to 17 and they snatch him up right there. And with the pick 18, I was, if I had had 17, I would have made this trade for Slater. But now sitting at 18, Indianapolis is going to move up just a few spots, only have to give up one later pick, maybe a day two or a day three pick. There's little Bell back there. And uh, the Indianapolis Colts will take Elijah Vera Tucker at pick 18. Um, this one, our boy Blake Jude, he has him as like the 11th overall prospect, I believe, in his grades in terms of just straight grading. So it looks like Vera Tucker falls a little bit in this draft. And the Colts pick him up very happily. Maybe put him at guard, maybe put him at tackle. They could go either way on that one. Yeah, I love that kid. Everybody's who gets mocked, fans who see him being mocked to their team are like, come on, man, don't draft him. <laughs> Go and watch the tape. This kid is awesome. He's got such a strong base and um, and great hands. He's going to be a great pro. And Colts know how to draft offensive linemen, don't they? <laughs> that they do. They'll, you know, so it would 19, uh, the Washington football team. Uh, selects Jeremiah Owusu Karamoa, Notre Dame, fits the Ron Rivera system of fast, speedy, aggressive, um, knock you down linebackers. Um, it's it's like Shaq Thompson all over again. Only I think JOK uh, might actually have a better career than than Thompson. Um, he is that dynamic. And with the 20th pick, the Chicago Bears. I don't think there's anything they can do to save Nagy and Pace's job. But one step in that direction <laughs> would be to uh, select Tevin Jenkins, the offensive lineman from, I believe, Oklahoma State. I know it's an orange team, but I'm almost certain it's Oklahoma State. It is. Um, yeah. And, and the offensive line has never been the strongest point for Chicago. But I think that the class is just so deep at this point. And the Cowboys... I mean, the Bears could use a cornerback. Uh, they, whenever I say corner, I think of Cowboys now. But the, uh, the Bears could use a corner, but all the big three are gone. They could use a quarterback, but the big five are gone. So might as well dip into this very deep offensive line class at the top. With the 21st pick, the Miami Dolphins select a guy who can just walk a couple blocks over to their, their complex, Jalen Phillips, edge, from the U. Um, wow, what a great story. Just had to retire for concussions at UCLA. Came to Miami, got healthy, had an unbelievable year. Um, many are saying he's the purest, best edge rusher in the draft. And he fits um, their system um, perfectly. I mean, they let go of Kyle Van Noy. But, I mean, Jalen Phillips is is Kyle Van Noy with an extra gear. 
and he's on a rookie contract. So that will help you against the salary cap. And uh, right. they could, they could use any help they can get. Cause although they were great defensively last year, that may be a little bit of a mirage given how many of their, how much their defense was contingent on turnovers and how generating turnovers definitely doesn't tend to translate year over year. So Sure. Dolphins can use some help for, I think, the 11th ranked defense last year. Right. So now Carolina moved down to 22, and I have them selecting Greg Newsom, the corner from Northwestern, which is interesting given that they moved out of a pick that ended up drafting a corner too. So I think that the main thing for Carolina is just get as many hits at the board as possible. You're kind of in a rebuild right now. You're committed to Sam Darnold, I suppose. You're not – I don't – I know you're higher on the Panthers, but I don't think they're good enough to make a playoff run next year. So just get as many hits at the board as possible. Pick up some draft picks, get some hits on the board, and see what this Newsom kid ends up becoming. And uh, he can get playing time right away in a kind of thin cornerback room for the Panthers. Well, he's got great speed and, um, you know, can play in tight areas uh... – Love the pick as long as he can stay healthy because that's been the red flag on him. Uh, I think only 22 games in college he played, but he, when he played, he played well. Uh, 23, the Jets go on the defensive side for Robert Soleil and take a Soleil like, you know, his his version of Eric Armstead in only with a guy who probably a better edge rusher, Gregory Rousseau from the U Miami. Yes. We are big Gregory Rousseau fans here on the podcast. <laughs> we are hoping that he ends up going in the second round to some really good team or, and then ends up, you know, becoming a stud, like where he ends up on like Baltimore or Pittsburgh and becomes a stud coming out of the draft. So big fans of him. 24. I have Pittsburgh and Contrary to the popular opinion with Najee Harris being there, we shook things up a bit because there is a certain offensive lineman that is a dream scenario for Pittsburgh, and that is Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech falling to 24. I, Pittsburgh cannot pass up on him. Sure, I think Najee Harris is going to be awesome, but if you're subtracting Villanueva and you plug him in, you're upgrading your offensive line immediately. You have all the wide receivers. I guess you're committed to Big Ben for now, but I think that's a dream scenario to pick Derisaw at 24 for Pittsburgh. I like it a lot. Um, And Pro Football Focus says the same thing, by the way. (laughs) Well, then it's a done deal. Way to go. (laughs) Um, 25, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Take... Trevor Lawrence's best friend, Travis Etienne, running back, Clemson. Wow, what a backfield now. You know, they have depth. They have really good depth at running back. But let's remember, it's a 17-game season next year. There are going to be a lot of teams trying to, you know, shuffle running backs in and out, keep them fresh. And, uh, wow, um, Etienne, to, to remain with Lawrence, feels particularly attractive that seemed fascinating when you put it in because james robinson was the third leading rusher in the nfl last year now to be fair philip Lindsay was also way up there and two years later he was way down on the depth chart so 
I understand small sample size. I find it fascinating that they would go running back and pair that up on the offensive side, especially with Rashad Bateman or Terrence Marshall still available. I found that fascinating. Um, 26, Cleveland. Uh, this is just position of need. They take Zayvon Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa. And uh, this may be just a plug-and-play guy. Him and Nick Bolton are the two that I've seen frequently mocked to Cleveland. I could see Cleveland trading up at some point in the draft because of their plethora of picks and not a lot of holes on their team. So maybe it creates depth, but in this case, Collins could be a plug-and-play guy for Cleveland next year. So Zayvon Collins at pick 26. Yeah, it's a great pick, Kyle. You were right on on the money there, I think, with Collins because, you know, Jadavian Clowney's on a one-year deal. And they can groom Collins. They can even play him inside some. That's yeah, they've got a huge – I think it's just Taki Taki is their only inside linebacker next year. Yeah, they, they, they'll they find spots for Collins. He will, he may not come off the field. I mean, he's a three-down linebacker. He can cover people too, which is amazing. What is he, 6'3", 265? <laughs> 270, amazing that he can run as well as he does at that size. So at 27 – the Baltimore Ravens uh, select Kadarius Tony, the slot wide receiver from Florida, to give you know um, their offense a little boot. They need they need a little help at the wide receiver position, particularly running those underneath routes. And Tony is a is a wizard at that. Yeah, and then I've got the fun one here at twenty eight. Baltimore moves up to twenty eight. <laughs> <laughs> with that pick they just acquired Friday from uh, from Kansas City in the Orlando Brown trade, they move up to 28 and select Najee Harris, the running back from Alabama. And if you're going to have the number one rushing offense in the NFL, you're going to have the number one rushing offense in the NFL. So let's <laughs> pair a great prospect <laughs> with Lamar Jackson and just let's do what you did against the Bengals and go for 339 rushing yards, but let's do it every week with Harris and JK Dobbins. And I guess technically Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson, who might be the best running back of the three, that team is going to be crazy. And I understanding they were the number one rushing team last year. There's no more Mark Ingram. So if J.K. Dobbins is your number one, I don't know if you're the best rushing team in the league. So I'm going for it. I'm going for Najee Harris in Baltimore. Wow. They're going to have weapons galore uh, with those two picks. Tony and Harris. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Back to back. With the 29th pick, the Green Bay Packers get a little help for Aaron, Alex Trebek, Rogers. Uh, when they, I originally thought they would go with Rashad Bateman, but actually, upon further review, the card came in Terrace Marshall with ah. a four four point three eight speed and um, six two from LSU, um, home run hitter, uh, and boy, opposite Devonte Adams, uh, Aaron Rodgers may not have to quit his day job after all. <laughs> they have never drafted a wide receiver in the first round. Do you know that the fun statistic about Aaron Rodgers and first round, uh, first round picks and completions? 
What's that? Um, it, again, this is not exactly 100%. Like, the numbers may be off on the other two, but I know the Rodgers one is correct. So, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning have completed, I believe it was somewhere between – and I some one had 700, one had 400 or 500 something completions to first round picks in their career. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers in his entire career has completed three passes to first round receivers. <laughs> wow. And the only one would be Mercedes Lewis. That's the only guy wow. that Big, Aaron Rodgers okay. has completed a pass right. to. The figures. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so it's a lot of a lot of Bob Tanyans and Jordy Nelsons, even though Jordy Nelson was like the 37th pick in the draft. It was first round talent at second round value. But Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams and Bob Tanyans. <laughs> Good one. Good stat. Yeah. So Buffalo's at pick 30, and I have Buffalo selecting Christian Barrymore, the defensive tackle. For, well, defensive tackle slash nose tackle. I know people don't really use nose tackles anymore, but defensive tackle from Alabama, and uh, they've got a, they've got a, a hole at this position only because Vernon Butler is filling one of those positions right now. So I think this is just a classic case of take Bearmore, alternate him maybe as a third down back, and then ultimately. Depending on what happens with Ed Oliver and Chris and Vernon Butler, um, Buffalo can go in and plug him in, and maybe that'll work out well for the Bills. But at the end of the first round, I think that Barrymore is good value for Buffalo, considering that they really struggled to stop the run last season. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's – Barmore's the best interior pass rusher in the draft, and that makes a lot of sense for them. They, they're looking for a guy like that. It's a great pick. Um, notice how I'm complimenting your picks. Uh, well, I'm not surprised because you really know what you're do- know what you're doing. Um, yes, it's all we've been doing for the last two months, right? It's just all draft talk. <laughs> well, you know, with a lot of tape in between, I mean, you can't just read what other people say. You got to trust your own eyes. This next pick is hands down my favorite player in the draft, a defensive player in the draft. The Saints snag Trevon Morig. Um, he's listed as a safety, but call him a super DB. He can play all four positions in the secondary. He can cover white on rice. I mean, he, he can cover anyone coming out of the tunnel. He can cover tight ends. He can cover the slots, which, you know, in that division, oh, my gosh, you know, with, with the kind of players that he has to defend, um, you know, with, the Saints have to defend in that NFC South. Um, he's a matchup, um, you know, wizard for any defensive coordinator. His head coach, Gary Patterson, who's a legendary defensive coach at TCU and has been there since the turn of the century. He's been there 21 years. Calls Mooring the best man-to-man safety he's ever coached. Um, and, and PFF had a 99% 99 percentile coverage grade, man coverage grade on him last year. Um, and he's a ball hawk. And he, what I love about him is he plays hands-free. I mean, he's he's not a grabber and a holder. He knows how to leverage. He knows how to mirror. And he knows how to bait quarterbacks. He jumps roots. And um, 
He's just very clean. I love that. You can find corners like that. Guys who can play the ball and not, you know, get pass interference penalties all the time. Um, you know, uh, he, he's got that down. Plus, he's a, you know, comes up and makes really good hits from, from the secondary. Um, so they got a great bargain and value pick at 31. And the Saints need immediate impact if they think that their window is still open. I don't know if they think it is or not. I'm not. I don't. I think the Bucks are better than them at this point. But I think they can make the playoffs with that roster next year. So, sure. I don't. I don't know what the game plan is, but immediate impact guys are big for the Saints. Well, they just drafted a kid who can actually dog um, Godwin all over the field. That's true. Um, you know, in that game, which is going to be a huge game, both of those games. Um, you know, it takes a rare player to be able to hang with guys like that. And this kid, Morin, can do it. Well, the last pick is a little bit of a because There's truth to it, but I have Denver trading. Yes, there's the bell. <laughs> I have Denver trading <laughs> back into the first round. And they're going to pick Kyle Trask. Now, do I think Denver will trade up to into the first round to pick Kyle Trask? No, considering that they have like the, the 41st pick in the second round, I think they'll probably just sit and hope he falls there. But I just wanted to talk about this because John Elway is looking at Kyle Trask and he is saying, you know, that guy reminds me of me. And John Elway cannot miss those guys that remind him of him which would be why he is big into Justin Fields and maybe trading up to number four with the Falcons. But no one knows what the 49ers are going to do. So the Broncos are just kind of hanging around at this point. I don't, I don't know if Kyle Trask is ever a big in the starting plans for the Broncos or if he's part of this transition into a rebuild that they'll be on soon. You mentioned Vic Fangio earlier, and I don't think Vic Fangio is going to make it past this season. I, don't think he, I think the over-under is probably around like week 12 for Vic Fangio getting fired, but I think the Broncos are uh, looking at a transition period here because they really don't have a lot of holes on their team. They just don't have a ton of talent on their team. Well, they've said all along they want competition for Drew Locke at the quarterback position, and, you know, this would make sense. And, you know, it's not that far to come up from 41 to, to 31. I mean, 32. The Bucks might be... You know, temp, you know, they might have a whole bunch of guys they like. Yeah. Um, and let's just face it, the Bucks are like, just put them as the NFC representative of the in the Pro Bowl. I mean, their whole team. I mean, I've, I've never seen. It's unbelievable how they fit all these stars under one salary cap on a shortened year. Yeah, uh, when the salary you know, cap went down. Exactly. On a shortened, well, that's exactly what I meant. Was like, yeah, you know, it's a shorter cap this year, and they've got star power at every position. I mean, you know, you go up and down their lineup, and with depth, you know, star quality depth. Um, it's be interesting to see who they actually take. You know, they're going to get another great player, a few great players. Um, you know, in, in days on day one and two in this draft, and oh my goodness, wow! Yeah. Um, now it'd be interesting too. To some people have speculated that a quarterback might make sense for them there 
seeing as Brady, you know, is... Are you not a believer in Super Bowl champion Blaine Gabbert as an alternative option? <laughs> or Drew Stanton? Um, no. And... <laughs> What? How about Orlando Brown? Because that one came out of nowhere. And I know for myself, I haven't gotten to talk about it on the podcast either. It makes so much sense for the Chiefs and minimal sense for Baltimore. Baltimore has always been that team that's like, we'll take your extra first round picks or your extra second round picks because they're really good at the drafting process. I think this is the first time they've had multiple picks this early since like three years ago when they took Hayden Hurst or four years ago when they took Hayden Hurst. So Baltimore is this team. This is their identity. Like we'll take your extra draft world picks and you can have some of our players, but for Kansas city, they basically like gave up a pick swap and a third and a fourth rounder for Orlando Brown. And that's a huge win for Kansas city. It is. And I don't, you know, they're AFC rivals. I don't, get it the 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 thing that i do get well i i I get that part just because baltimore took best offer available like they weren't concerned about who it's going to or what it's going to the idea that they got pick 31 and that fifth year option for orlando brown was already a victory enough for them because the draft slot doesn't cost very much at 31 and you get to pick up the fifth year option on that player so it just seemed like only team that offered a first round pick and they were taking it. Well, the other thing is there may be some really good right tackles. At, there probably will be some very good right right tackles. But also Orlando Brown wasn't going to move back to right tackle when Ronnie Stanley came back because he is one year away from a contract and right. – Left tackles make, on average, the top 10 left tackles make about $4.2 million more than the top 10 right tackles. Right. So Orlando Brown is going to get that money that I don't know where the Chiefs are finding. Right. And now I, I know that the Ravens have brought in, you know, they were talking to Villanueva, the Steelers, free agent. And... Um, uh, who else did they just talk to? Oh, um, Dennis Kelly. They've been talking to probably be a stop stopgap one year guy. But well, I can throw I, one out there also I, because looking back at our mock draft, if they don't take Najee Harris in the crazy move, Samuel Cosby went into the second round in our mock draft. Yeah, and Liam um, Eichenberg. From Notre Dame is will be there. Dylan Raddins. Ray Dunes, I think. Ray Dunes. I um, I, I, I might like, be wrong on that. I literally liked his tape, and you had him in the first going in the, our first mock. You also had you know um, uh, Cosme going in the, our first mock in the first round. Jalen Mayfield from Michigan. He's a heck of a prospect. Um, Walker Little from Stanford. I mean, there are a lot of good tackles in this draft, and many of them are right tackles. And then imagine if Tevin Jenkins slides to 31. Um, or 27. They have both first-round picks available. Yeah, or 20. Right. So if, you know, if one of these really good – oh, and I didn't even mention Alex Leatherwood, uh, the Alabama right, yeah. kid. You know, so it's a, it's a – you know, I get that from the – Ravens standpoint, but here's the other point about the Ravens is that 
and I kind of appreciate this about them. They, when they bring you in, they talk about, you know, they say we, we selected you because you represent what a Raven should represent. I mean, they're very, you know, they got a culture that they try to cultivate about what it takes to be a Raven. And I think any, and because of that, and I think they're really prideful of that. I think if any of their players said, look, man, uh, trade me, they would do it. They don't want guys, they don't feel like they need to be desperate enough to hold guys hostage. Well, and, they, they kind of did it with Matthew Judon, but overwhelmingly, yes, you're right. Well, I don't think Judon objected too much to playing on the, on the you know, F tag. Yeah. I mean, he he collected a f fat salary. He parlayed parlayed it pretty well in this uh, off season to a free agent contract. So, you know. and Baltimore has been really good at drafting. Like, I struggle to think of a team over the past ten years, and you can go back to like Terrell Suggs, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, like further down the list. But in the last ten years. Baltimore's been really good at drafting in terms of bringing in guys and keeping the factory working. Like, if not for the Patriots, they would be the model that a lot of people build off of. And some teams still do build off the Ravens model, but they would be the, the, the gold standard in football at this point. I guess they're like silver or bronze right now. Yeah, and it goes back to what I was saying about they specifically, you know, look for prototypes they have a system of checks and you know boxes to check is this guy you know have a does he have a ravens mentality and baltimore done it without ever really having a top draft pick because the only top 10 pick they've had in the last 10 years was the year they took ronnie stanley who's now on the track to becoming a hall of famer yeah and miraculously when they lost a guy in free agency, the best player on the board falls to them miraculously almost every year when they have a position of need. Ozzie Newsome was, you know, was adept at that, being able to just replace right through the draft on draft picks that fell right to him. Or you know, had the foresight to move up and draft Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was fortuitous for them and gutsy um and turns out pretty brilliant um Captain, you know, lamar jackson if you saw his bowl game which he didn't even have to play in um it was against mississippi state i remember it was like the sun bowl or something that uh, the the tax slayer bowl or the music city bowl <laughs> oh yeah it was something like that and i i watched the whole thing because I wanted the Cardinals to draft Lamar Jackson. I was on him from day one. I had seen him play a few times. And of course I saw him play against BC, my team. And, um, you know, I just loved the kid and I just was amazed at his talent. And, um, if you watched him in that game against Mississippi state, um, he was unbelievable unbelievably tough in that game he wasn't having a great passing day i think he got picked off twice so then he decided i'm just going to put the team on my back and run the ball and i mean he was 
I mean, he ran for over 200 yards that day, I believe. But they were tougher. It wasn't like, oh, just, you know, skipping out into the open. They were runs that he had to break tackles. I mean, he took a pounding. And everything you would think opposite a player would do knowing he's heading into the draft. You don't want to take on a, a game where you're going to get hit 30 times. But he did. And he darn near, darn near willed them back to the win in that game. It was awesome. It was just such a a triumph of, of will and spirit on his part. And I just said, it conf just convinced me. I was like, yeah, people are going to say he doesn't have the greatest arm or whatever. I've seen him throw the ball really well. But, you know, when he when he... We played that hard and tough and left it all out on the field. I was just like, this kid's such a baller. My wow moment with Lamar Jackson was when they were playing Florida State. And it was that they were like ranked 11 and Florida State was ranked three. And it was a college game day, but the game was at noon on the East Coast. So like at the nine o'clock after college game day, I like walked away from the game and I yep. came back. It was like 28-0 in the second quarter. And I looked at the stat, and I'm like, oh, my God, who is Lamar Jackson? Oh, and yeah. how is he dominating a Florida? He basically, you can point a direct moment to that game and the fall of Florida State football was getting slaughtered by Lamar Jackson and the changing of the guard from Florida State at the top of the ACC to Clemson at the top of the ACC, and then that yeah. that instant classic Clemson three Louisville five, and the game that came down to I think like a half yard on a fourth and one inside the ten. You could point to that as the changing of the guard was Lamar yeah. Jackson just dominating Florida State. Yes, yeah, yeah. He had star power written all over him. And you know, he's, he's a guy who I knew he was going to get nitpicked to death in the draft process, and, you know, um, but I'll tell you what, I wouldn't, I'd kind of be surprised if he doesn't win a ring one of these years. Um, he's already or, unanimous or, MVP. <laughs> you know, he's been that and, you know, he's, he's got a lot going for him and I think he's, he's well loved by the players, by the organization. They picked a Raven. I mean, he, he checks their boxes, no doubt. And he kept John Harbaugh employed. John Harbaugh was fired in December of that year. There was an NFL Network report. Ravens plan to move on from John Harbaugh after they were, I think, three and five to start the season. And then they got to like six and six. And then they won their last four games, won the AFC North, and then the rest is history for the Ravens. Yeah, and Harbaugh's a good coach. I mean, you know, he's... He's well, got good, the, good coordinators. He he runs a tight program, and he 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 believes in their system of drafting and you know acquiring Raven esque players. He really plays that up well. One of the ballsiest things I've ever seen in football was that interview coming back in 2019, where they said he literally said, "We're going to have Lamar Jackson rush." probably 125 yards a game. He's going to have direct runs 10 or 15 times a game, and we're going to run it right down everyone's throat. He told you what he was going to do with Lamar Jackson, then went out and did it, right. and Lamar won unanimous MVP. It's one of the ballsiest things I've ever seen. He told you, we're going to run it down your throat with this super weapon. You, you, there's nothing you can do about it. 
Yep. He's just going to be too good. And we built an offense around it. We've totally rebuilt our offense because it was built around Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson still went six and one in a Joe Flacco offense right. in that first rookie season. And let's not forget Harbaugh has a ring. Yeah. yeah. He is, How many guys can say that? I think about seven, six or seven. <laughs> one, of them is, one of them's Doug Peterson got chased out of Philadelphia. Like, few of them <laughs> yeah he did some, some bizarre things at the end there that was just madness uh yeah, I, philadelphia you know plus you're dealing with philadelphia you got a lot of people to please and those fans were not going to take you will won't take anything less than what the very best of what you got i i don't know what happened to him there i don't even know if he just really privately wanted out but. Well, I, th I think a lot of the reporting is that he wanted out and um, that uh, Roseman was way too over controlling. And so they basically just parted ways. But it seemed like a hostile parting of ways after it was like two and a half weeks after the season ended when Peterson left. It was after Wild Card Weekend yeah. when Peterson finally parted ways, which is the nice way of saying <laughs> I think they genuinely did, considering he wasn't fired for performance. It was you're too over controlling and I can't do the things I want to do. And then by the way, Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie call all the shots. Sure. So I think Doug Peterson just needed to get out of Philadelphia. And I think Doug Peterson will get a job at some point. I just don't know when some point is going to be, but the idea that he, he is no longer employed, like winning a Super Bowl bought him three years and it bought Mike McCarthy like eight years. Like it's crazy how much leeway was bought by winning that Super Bowl. It didn't sure. work out for Peterson. Well, you know, when guys prove they can win it once, you can't, you know. I mean, Mike Tomlin's going to be the Steelers coach till he's, you know, gray and, you know, walking with a cane. I mean... Um, they just don't change head coaches. And, you know, a lot of years in Pittsburgh have not gone the way that they thought. And, you know, in another town with another organization, I think he'd be out by now, too. Well, I do think this year is going to be the toughest year for Tomlin because they're not great at anything. I know they had the top defense last year, but the Steelers are now in this weird place where their their offense is not great. Their defense is damn good, but I'm, I think that they're prone to regression similar to what happened to Buffalo last year, where Buffalo went from number two to like number 15 in the league. So I think this is going to be one of the tougher years for our buddy Mike Tomlin. It could be, and but it won't cost him his job. Nope, you were right. He's going to be coaching that team for the next decade plus. Is the I think the Bucks are going to, with Jason Light, are going to not make the same mistakes the Cardinals did. One is ever letting Todd Bowles leave the building. I think they'll, you know, have some sort of deal and a nod um, and give him a raise to keep him happy until Bruce Arians retires. Bowles will be assured of being the successor um, at head coach for the Bucks. So not going to, you know, this is always bothered me but from day one Arians was touting Bowles as a head coaching candidate you know and if we'd 
been able to hold on to Bowles for one more year in 2015, which was our best chance to make another Super Bowl. It might have been a whole different story for the Cardinals. And instead, you know, all this promoting of his guy for head coach, he goes to the Jets and wallows away there for, you know, um, in, a, in a dysfunctional organization yeah. for with years. Todd Bowles, With Todd Bowles, maybe you would have only lost by 20 instead of by 30 against Carolina in the NFC Championship. Well, thank <laughs> you very much. But I, I think actually, actually, I know he would not have changed the defense for that game the way James Betcher did. Betcher still mystifies me how he succeeds Todd Bowles with only three years of NFL um, assistant coach experience and he never ran a defense in college either so I still don't understand that reasoning but that goes back to Arians is sort of hubris that oh anyone can do it because I could have done it when I was that age or whatever whatever his psychology was there but but Betcher made a, a you know a, a young coach's mistake you don't don't change don't radically change what you do particularly in the playoffs just do what you do and do it better, you know, but the players were all bent out of shape that the game plan was something they never ran all year. And, you know, Chucky Brown had a career day. I mean, if anyone remembers who Chucky Brown is, I mean, they couldn't defend anyone that day. It was pretty disgusting. And then of course the Cardinals offense was equally poor turning the ball over like six times. So, but anyway, uh, you know, I said, I'd make Cardinal fans cringe. But here's the other thing that makes us cringe is Arian's refusal to add a quarterback, a young quarterback while he was there in five years. He went out and personally recruited Logan Thomas, spent a fourth round pick on him, a fellow Hokie, Arian's from Virginia Tech. Thomas was a quarterback there. Now he's a pretty decent tight end for the Washington football team. Um, but he, you know, was gone. Thomas was out of there by the second training camp. He was he was uh, released, and not even signed to a practice squad. Um, and the thing was is, and here's the thing about Arians is he loves like Drew Stanton. So any young rookie who came in wasn't going to get any snaps anyway. Um, you'd just be the scout team quarterback. And so five years go by, and when Arians left, there was no, you know, and Carson Palmer had retired. By then, he he was basically every limb was in traction playing in Arians' offense. Um, I mean, and Drew Stanton, too. Drew, Drew Stanton, when he got his chances, did pretty well, but, but he, he couldn't avoid the injury bugs either um, in that offense. But you know, not having a quarterback in line to kind of keep the thing moving was very disappointing. It set the Cardinals back years and, you know, it led them to the Rosen mistake. But fortunately, it took two years to figure that out and they get re- able to get Kyler Murray. And now, you know, um, it's a new chapter of Cardinals football and we, we have some star power at the position. So that's pretty yeah. exciting. Yeah, it worked out in the long run, but you're right. Arians is the guy who has all these great quarterbacks and never really picked up on one. And he came into Tampa Bay knowing that Jameis Winston wasn't the guy. And so that made the decision easier to pick Tom Brady, (laughs) which was not an easy 
position at the time. It was easy for the Bucks because they weren't getting anyone else, but it was tough to uh, tough to sell people on Tom Brady like less than a off season ago. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're in Florida. It wouldn't surprise me if the Bucks stayed and took Trask themselves. Um, another another quarterback in this class who I think might be very appealing to him um, is uh, Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Athletic, uh, game manager, uh, played a really good season this past year. Played great at the Senior Bowl. I'm sure they saw him there and took good look at looks at him there. So it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, if the Bucks stayed stayed put and took Trask there, or, um, you know, they could. Here's here's their thinking. Maybe they thought, you know, actually we could trade down to 41 if we're going to take Kellen Mond. We don't think the other teams have already taken their quarterback, so we think he'll probably be there if they were going to take him. Or they're happy whoever they go with. Maybe maybe they do have someone in mind. I don't know. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the other wild card, I think, quarterback-wise, and who I, I think would actually appeal to Jason Light and Arians is Davis Mills from Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, he's He's got a pedigree to him. He's got a... He's got a um, you know, he's got some real upside there. Um, and uh, he had a heck of a um, end to his, you know, he, he got really hot there towards the end. And, um, so, you know, uh, that would be an interesting call if they if they made it on him. And, uh, you know, um, but that's about it. I, I don't see them having anyone else in this draft quarterback yeah i agree it would be someone the rest of the people in the draft are more practice squad guys anyways i think yeah lower than those guys yeah you know it would have to be they probably can wait till round two um i i don't know how far the trask is gonna fall but um may not be too far because there are a lot of people who really love this kid I mean, yeah, every he was a first round prospect for a while, and then uh, then he had that game against Oklahoma, and everyone soured on him real quick. <laughs> Support for the Take It Easy podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels, they obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and today we have an exclusive offer for our listeners. 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code TIE, that's T-I-E, at manscaped.com. Manscaped hooked me up with a bunch of tools and formulations from their Perfect Package 3.0 kit, including the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TIE, T-I-E, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code TIE. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job 
with Manscaped. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.